Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode 163, the final episode of the year 2019 and the final episode of this decade. I'm very excited about this. This is your host, Mark Shapiro. Welcome and great to have all of you for what is a wonderful way to close out the year and to close out the decade. My guest is the extraordinary professor of medicine, Dr. Kimberly Manning. It's really fun to say that because when she and I recorded this episode several weeks ago, she had just finished submitting her application to become a full professor of medicine, which is a huge deal. It is a huge deal. And she actually reflects in the conversation about how excited she is around the prospect of being a professor of medicine. And then a few days after we recorded, she posted on social media that she had been notified that she's a professor. So it's fun for me to be able to say, Professor Kimberly Manning is my guest in this episode. This episode is nothing short of extraordinary. It's just, I can't begin to describe it. I can't even try to summarize it. It's just a perfect way to close out the year. It's the perfect way to move into a new decade. We as a community in healthcare and we as a society at large are lucky to have her because she's so wise, she's so engaged, she's so intelligent, and she's so giving. And I just think that as you listen to her speak, you'll just be drawn to what she is trying to do and what she is helping so many reach for and accomplish. It's just a phenomenal episode. Of course, before we get to the episode, I just want to please invite you for the last time this decade, check out our website, www.explorethespaceshow.com. If you have a couple of minutes to go to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review, that is really appreciated. If you've had the chance to do it, I really do appreciate you taking the time. If you haven't had a chance, please do leave a quick rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to your shows. It's a huge driver of new people finding the show and the ongoing success of the show. So it's really helpful and it is very much appreciated. Definitely subscribe to because just like these last few years, we've kept the content coming. This is episode 163. 2020 and beyond will be no different. We will be cranking out episodes with unbelievable guests. The slate for next year is incredible. I can't wait to get those rolling as well. You can find me on social media at ETS show on Twitter at explore the space show on Instagram. And you can email me anytime mark at explore the space show.com. Let's get to the episode. Dr. Manning is amazing. It was just so much fun to speak with her. Kimberly is, is she's brilliant. She's wise and fun. And this episode just soars into a whole other level. You're going to love it. I've loved this last couple of years. I've loved 2019 with connecting with so many people and creating so much phenomenal content and having so much fun with Explore the Space. I cannot wait for 2020. I cannot wait for this next stretch of time so we can see what we can all do together, what we can accomplish together. It's been an amazing ride, and I will see all of you next year. Without further ado, Professor Kimberly Manning. Kimberly, welcome to Explore the Space. I have been looking forward to this for some time. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. There are so many places that we could start, and I shared with you a little bit while we were chatting, while I was getting set up, the number of people that have reached out to say, will you please have Dr. Manning on Explore the Space? And they've all had a separate angle or a different direction, what they want to talk about, where they want to start. 
And because I am the host and the producer and I emailed you and, and here we are, I'm going to pick it. I'm going to pick where we start. Is that all right? <laughs> okay. That works. All right. I want to start on the blacktop with you. I want to start on yes. the pavement of the Ragnar Relay. Let's go. Yes. Most people um. probably don't know what the Ragnar Relay is. You are an experienced, like, you you are a field-level officer <laughs> at the Ragnar Relay. What is the Ragnar well, first of all, we call ourselves Ragnarians. You know, oh, once you've completed a Ragnar, I, love I have to it. give you the I have to give you the lingo. But oh, um, I love it so good. You know, yeah. But um, I, I don't want to um, sell myself as this super elite runner. But instead, I'm I, I like goals. Yeah, like a lot of people who probably listen to your podcast, very goal oriented. And I started running in 2013, and really, um, my first distance race was the Army 10 miler in uh, DC. And then from there kind of started doing half marathons and 10 milers and 10 Ks. And I was at a race once and I heard someone talking about this thing called the Ragnar series. And Ragnar series is a series of races that are relay races. The road relay race, which is the ones that I've participated in, is a 200 mile relay with a team of 12 people split between two vans of six and you pretty much run 200 miles. Each runner runs three legs. Now, they do have something called the Ultra Ragnar, which is six people uh, who each run six legs, but I know nothing of that. <laughs> um, but the first Ragnar that I ever did actually was through social media. I heard about a group of women who were going to be doing a Ragnar race in from Chattanooga to Nashville. And it requires a high level of organization to do. And so um, I really wanted to just jump on someone's team and I was able to jump on this team. And I just fell in love with the race. And so did that one in 2017, Chattanooga to Nashville. And then the next one we did the following year was in Canada, started in Coburg, Ontario, and ended in um, the Canada side of Niagara Falls. And then this most recent one uh, that we did in 2019 was the one in Colorado. And I have to say, as much as I love the Ragnar series, that altitude in Denver, Colorado was soul crushing for me. It that was is, like, oh. it's a deep, yeah. deep, deep ask. So you're a three time Ragnarian. And just to reemphasize 200 miles in a relay over right. what sort of time span, what's you've done three, how long are you yeah. out on the course for? It really depends on the speed of your runners. Um, but you, most teams finish somewhere between about you, you need to be finished in about 36 hours 36, with the whole okay. thing. And in, and also the spread of runs that you get, like I think usually my longest leg is around eight miles. I think for this one, my first leg was eight miles. My second was like six and the last one was five miles. And so depending on what number of runner you are, you know, because everybody is just running end to end. One of my most memorable Ragnar race runs actually was in the Tennessee mountains. It was midnight. I had two mag lights in my hand, a headlamp on, and I was just running up a hill in Tennessee. And I was so tired. It was dark. There were a few other runners out there. And I just got into this place where I started talking to myself. Oh, I <laughs> and, I, and I was like, you know what? You are somebody's mother. 
You have two kids. You are over 40. Do you know you don't have to be out here? Yes, you, you do have to be out there, though. That's the whole beauty of it. <laughs> but as I got to the top of the hill, all of a sudden, I, this woman comes up on the side of me and she goes, yo, I wanted to pass you so bad. Like <laughs> your pep talk. Oh, my God. It was like so awesome. Oh, you was I, out I, loud. Yeah. You were saying oh, this out. Oh, no. Oh, was, oh yeah. It. Oh, Mark, Mark, I talk to myself a lot. You know, I, I was the person in my recertification board exam yeah. who was told to be quiet. Because <laughs> I, talk, I talk to exams. I talk to races. I, t- I talk when I'm running. I, I, yeah. Oh, I love it. That's so good. So I, I have a deep and abiding love for the ultra run. And there's actually been some great episodes on the show about this. I've been able to crew the Badwater three times. So I'm wow. a three-time Badwater crew person. I did not run the Badwater. But mm-hmm. it's that same idea, man. You're just out there in the dark of night mm-hmm. and it, you just you just keep plodding along. And, and the term that my friend who's done the Badwater, she's finished it four times, wow. is relentless forward motion. And that's you on that hill with two mag lights and a headlamp <laughs> and the, just – you just one. You just don't stop, and it's the best. Yeah, no, you don't. And you and and the best part is when you when the last runner comes in and the whole team joins the last runner to come over the finish line. Oh wow! And I mean, my uh, my team. It's uh, the team that I joined in Tennessee. The same team has has done these other three. So we've stuck together, even though a lot of us were strangers when we came together the first yeah, time. Yeah. All of us are moms over forty. <laughs> Everybody. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. So that's the piece of connective tissue. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I love yeah. that. So, uh, so then, because this is the part about you that I find endlessly fascinating. I follow you on social media. I read everything that you do. We've still not yet had the opportunity to meet in real life, but <laughs> I, know, right? I feel like what you do so well is you do draw people in. I don't know if it's with intent or if this is just you, kind of you doing you and people gravitate towards it. But it's that same idea, right? There's, there's, I just get the sense that you're good at finding common ground, whether it's on your relay team or with the patient that you're seeing or with the team that you're overseeing and precepting in the hospital as the attending. When you hear me sort of reflect on that and reflect it back to you, what is your response? What is that? How does that sit with you? Uh, well, I, I think, you know, Immediately when someone says something that kind to you, I think what we're all taught to do is to do the all shucks, no, no, no <laughs> thing, right? So that that's the first instinct that I have. But, okay. you know, what I'll say, what I've learned to say is, you know, when someone says something kind, which is an observation about something that they've seen in me or any individual, um, the, 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 um, the response I give is, I receive that. Thank you. Nice. Um, so that's the first thing I'll say is I receive that. Um, but I like people a lot. Yeah. And I think that um, any person that you spend enough time with, you will find where you intersect, no matter who it is. I find that just the 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 interesting differences in this um, and the, the human spirit in general is something that it's really hard to not find a place where you're where there's going to be a common thread. And so I like to look for that in people. I do believe that most people are inherently good. Um, and so even frustrated and scared and mean people, I'm always interested in trying to wait it out and find out where do we where do we overlap? Where do we intersect? And so I, I don't know that I 
you know, try to walk into situations like, let me try to draw folks in. But, you know, I, I do think that now I've kind of reached a, a point in my life just through life experiences where I'm really good at being myself. And um, I try as hard as I can to permit other people to be themselves. I don't want people to be on for me. I don't want someone to feel like um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure them out or judge them or anything. I just want people to be able to show up and be themselves because when you can be yourself, um, all the other things that you're trying to do, you have a much better chance of succeeding at it, right? If you're trying to figure out how to manage hyponatremia, but but you're at the same time, you're worried about what I think about you. It's going to be really hard to figure out hyponatremia. Why don't you just figure out hyponatremia and be you? And, I, and that, that'll be fine for me. Are you, tra- are you that transparent with your students and with your relay team and with your patients? And I ask that because what you just laid out for me kind of unlocks a big door into most particularly your writing, which mm-hmm. is soaring and brilliant and painful and exceptionally great. But it Thank helps you. me to understand and inform what you're doing because I get the sense that people do share with you willingly, freely, and kind of at a tempo where that that tempo picks up. You just laid out what you aspire to do. Do you share that aspiration at the beginning of a conversation or do you, how how do you, how do you bring that forward so that people understand that they're in a safe place? I always am a believer that, you know, I can show you better than I can tell you. Right. And so it's hard to um, say like, okay, be yourself now. Right. So, (laughs) so what I, what I, what I try to do is I let, I try my best to let people know that I see them. And so I try to notice things about them. If you tell me something, I will try really hard to register it in my head. Now, I don't always remember things. So I'm also honest about the things I don't remember, right? So I ran into a medical student today um, on on the bridge coming into the medical school, and she was talking to me, and I just realized I didn't remember the context in which we met. And so I just stopped her, and I said, I am so um, sorry to say this, but I'm your name is escaping me in the context of where we work together is escaping me. Oh, you know, we met briefly at this point. So we hadn't had a, an in-depth um, conversation before. And the student actually wasn't even a student at Emory. She was a student at another school. Um, and we'd interacted through a student organization. And th- that's the other thing. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm the whole like pretending and everything. I, I just don't want anybody to have to do that. And, I'm, I just try really hard not to. So I don't announce to people that I want you to be yourself. But, you know, Mark, one of the things that I started doing about about five or six years ago, I started doing this thing where if I'm talking to somebody or if I stop to talk to somebody, I give them my full attention for at least 30 seconds. And that's not easy to do. So if I'm walking into the hospital and somebody stops me and they start talking to me, I put my hands at my sides. I turn my whole body to face them and I look at them and I listen to what they're saying. Because 30 seconds of your sustained attention without looking anywhere, without doing anything else is a lot. And I realized how, how infrequently I was doing that. And so I just try to show people as much as I can. I fall short a lot, but I try to show people that I see you. I see you. I hear what you're saying. I, you tell me your name. I'm going to try to pronounce it correctly. I'm going to really work at it, too, until I can get it just right. 
And if I'm saying it wrong, I want you to correct me because that's just another example of letting somebody know I see you. I really like the way you describe not just the listening component, but the body language component. I'll be honest, I try to do the same thing with fully admitted varying degrees of success. But the one part that I'm not good at, and you've helped me to realize I can really emphasize is that body language component. Mm -hmm. Rotate so that I am facing them head on and locked in. And I think that that is really effective. I'll just also mention to you something else that you do that I have thought about. And it's weird, even though I'm a podcast host and I've been doing this for a while, into, into the sentences when you're speaking, you've done this with me twice so far, you've said my name. <laughs> I don't do that very much. It's really effective. It's really, really effective. Do you do that with intention or is that just your natural rhythm of speaking? I do that with intention, yeah. but, but it's become a natural rhythm of my speaking because our, cause your name is, is your name. That's it. Yeah. Right? It's your name. It's you. And so it, it is sort of the, the, the verbal way of facing you, facing my, facing your body and looking at you and saying, I see you. I see you. I'm talking to Mark. You cannot change the name on this conversation to a different person. I'm talking to you. Um, and so this this practice of like stopping and doing everything, it really, you know, it, you know, for all of us, as you grow older and you and, and things happen and you you have loss and and um, pivotal moments in your life, really what you have um, are memories and moments. And so. I've sort of become a habitual reflector and the way to reflect and to register something into my brain is to stop. Um, and I'm really not trying to sound preachy, but this is really what I do. Like if I, you know, I, when I'm in the medical school and I'm trying to walk out of the medical school, I see so many students that I know. And if they see me and they come up to me and they say, hey, Dr. Manny, I stop and I turn my whole body to face them. Hey, Bo, how are you doing? Which is what I said to a student today. What's going on? What's going on with you? How was Thanksgiving? Did you get to go back to California? Which is an acknowledgement of the fact that you told me you're from California. Did you get to go back there? Yeah. So I'm going back to work tomorrow. I can't wait yeah. now. I'm really excited. <laughs> um, and it's the same sort of thing, right? I see lots of people that I know. I live in my hometown that I grew up in. I was actually back in my high school gym the, over the weekend, over the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, with oh, some friends sad. watching my pal's son play basketball in my, I hadn't been in that gym since 1994, but I saw like two dozen people that I know. And this, uh, this mindset that you've just laid out, I just, I can't wait to refine the way I already do it. I will say this though, we have to be maybe at least if not cautious, pragmatic, because for right. you, when you're leaving a building or if you go to a conference or you give a grand rounds or you just continue to be you, you are not just recognized, you are highly sought after. So you will have lots of people wanting that 30 seconds. Where do you find the balance? So, okay, I do need to get home. I, I need right. to pick up my kids. I need to go work out because the Ragnar's in six weeks. I need to, <laughs> right. I need to do but things. Like how, but, but isn't that really the same thing that happens? To, I mean, again, that's a flattering thought. Um, but isn't it the same as when we're with a patient at the bedside, right? And they're talking and you're connecting and it is just one of those 
patients that just has story after story and they're not coming up for air, right? Yeah, yeah. But you got to go. <laughs> yeah. You got other patients to see. You have to go do something else. Um, you know, you just you you for, forget trying to overthink it. Just be honest if you can. Um, so what I often will say is, you know what? I'll put my hands together like praying hands and say. I would love to stand here and talk to you longer, but I absolutely have to remove myself from this space and get home to my family. Now, with my patients, I'll say, I could honestly talk to you all day, sir. And you know what? If I don't get myself on out of this room, I will sit right here and keep on talking to you. I'm going to need to leave to go see my um, the rest of my patients. What other questions do you have for me about what we're going to do today? Just, you know, so if it's so if it's a group of people and so, and they're like trying to talk to me, but I need to go, I, I will eventually say I have to go. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm honest with it. I don't just walk away from people or like, right. Right. <laughs> you know, right. um, so no, I, that's, you know. that's fair. I think that I just, I keep seeing this vision of you trying to leave the medical school and this idea, right? We've, we talk about this how in our profession, we don't really have a culture of celebrity, but there are a cohort of people who, if we did, would be in that. And I mean, you, you know that you're in that mix and there's a cohort of people that we all know their names and we know why they're sort of in that mix, but we also want them to be able to do what they're doing for a long time. You're but sometimes, but what people want, what they want often does not take as long as we think. Like, you know what I mean? I, and once I realized that, I just realized how much I was moving like past people and not looking at them. Um, sometimes all, I know that's what I want. I, I just want to be seen sometimes, right? Um, and 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 seen like metaphorically too, right? So if the student is walking up to me on the bridge and I'm busy and I have to get over to Grady, I, I'll, I'll like stop and maybe I'll put my hand on their forearm and I'll be like, you doing good? How's it going? If I know their name, I'll say their name. And I'm like, I'm getting over to Grady or if I, or if I want to call. I'm on a call. You're doing good. It's good to see you. Good to see your face or something like that and just keep moving. Um, but I but I still try to stop and register you. you I know, swear I feel like um, I just got hit with a sledgehammer. I, that was <laughs> I, I cannot wait to get back into the hospital tomorrow because that defense mechanism that I had of feeling like I'm going to be overwhelmed by the people that want to. It's not that much time. It's a nothing. It's it's. But that act of rotating the shoulders, locking eyes, hey, what's up? And I do that. I, I know right. that I do, and I try to be really engaged. But I, you know, we want to always be getting better, and we want to learn from people who do things at the highest level. That really, really resonates, and it's really exciting. Well, Mark, you do that really well on on social media, right? You you do the version of that on social media. There is a um, a transparent kindness and acknowledgement that you offer to the things that. Um, people have thought about, you know, you, you amplify people thoughtfully. Um, and, and you are very, very effusive with, with compliments to people. And, and that's not something that, that, that misses me. Right. So you, you need to know that you do a lot of that too, which will make people feel drawn to you probably even more so when they see you in person. So a lot of times that's all people want. They just want like, 
10 seconds because yeah. I'm, I'm I'm promising 30 seconds and that's not even what the person wants. They probably want 10 seconds. Yeah, so I, I like I, I try to learn nurses names on the floors as much as I can. But also the added little pieces just to remember something about the person like, hey, did y'all go horseback riding? Um, oh, you know what we did? We did. Were you sore? Yeah, I was super sore. OK, yeah. nobody yeah. got thrown off. No. OK, keep going. And And in my head, I'm thinking. It's not that I'm like overthinking to the point of it being phony. I'm just thinking to myself, she told me that her son wanted to take her horseback riding and she was scared and they were going to go over Thanksgiving. And so I want to know what happened. <laughs> like, I totally get it. it. It's, it's, right? I will say to you, having heard a really kind compliment, this is how I, how I work hard to take compliments on board is, that was a really, really kind thing that you said to me, and I gratefully accept it. That's how I try to take those on board because that was a really nice thing that you just said to me. I really yeah, appreciate but, it. But it's true, right? It's it's true, and it's not to you know make you feel uncomfortable no, or anything. No, no, not at all. Anyone who like scrolls through your Twitter feed will see that you know, uh, like a, a large percentage of what you are putting on Twitter is really an acknowledgments of what other people are doing and and really helping people explore the space on Twitter, right? You're saying, hey, this person made their first tutorial and it was really good and I got this from it, right? And then you're using your influence for good, which is super cool. It's a lot um, of fun. I really do enjoy that space. That's one of the things that I think I probably like the most about it is just continuing to peel back layers of new people and new things that are happening and new people doing tutorials, the depth of talent and creativity within our kind of hashtag med Twitter space, but also outside of it and in sports and politics and you name it, mm. just the depth of talent and engagement and enthusiasm. It is stupefying. It yeah, never fails to blow me away. And I love it. You brought us into the social media space. So let's spend <laughs> some time there. Okay. Here's what I I need to have. I need to understand. You I need, need this. Okay. You, you reflect your engagements with people that you have the responsibility to take care of in the hospital mm -hmm. in a manner that I've never seen before. Hmm. Part of it is the platform that we're using, right? You have 280 characters and then you string these threads together. But it, it it's almost like a flip book where you could just go, brrr, you can just, it, it, it fits. It's just the layout is, is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I have been able to pick them up. It's been fluke luck, but you've seen it. I've picked them up while you're <laughs> typing them. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the craziest reading experiences I've ever had where <laughs> I am like, hurry up and, and, <laughs> and type like, I got to know what song were they singing? I have to understand. Oh, why yeah. Right? I'm like oh, losing yeah. my mind awesome <laughs> so good what do you when you're meeting with a patient are you putting thing are you putting a story together and saying i'm going to reflect this back on social media or are you just hearing the story and then when you have a quiet moment thinking to yourself this is one that i want to write yeah um okay so th there's one thing that i think people probably wonder about which is oh my gosh like how do you tell a story without, um, you know, violating too much of somebody's privacy? So the, the first thing I always start with, which is very similar to, 
to when people get ready to give a lecture or do anything yeah. is sort of asking yourself, like, what is the what? Meaning, what is the what is the point of this? Why are we talking about this? But what is the lesson in this? And so the lesson never changes. But sometimes I will change details if it, um, you know, if it's a man, it might be a woman, if it's, you know, unless I've talked to the patient and asked for permission and, and gotten permission, which for many people I do. That being said, the more you develop a habit of reflection, this whole idea of mentally registering things, the better you get at it. So the the point I think when people talk about reflecting, which is like one of these words in medical school that makes people cringe, like uh, reflection. Um, but when I think about reflection, I think of it as being able to find the extraordinary in ordinary moments. Because there's so much extraordinary in the ordinary. In fact, the things that I find to be the most meaningful things I've ever written were about very, very ordinary moments. Um, and so I, I think when I'm sitting with a patient and I'm talking to them about something, I'm, I, it, it, is, it is registering to me that this is, this is the extraordinary in this ordinary moment. Um, so for one person, it might be, this lady's awesome. I love her energy. She's, she's so funny. I love talking to elders, right? Well, I'll think that, but then I'll think even deeper to that. I'll be like, what must it be like to be 90 at Grady Hospital? What must it be like to be sitting in front of a young black woman who is your doctor? When you remember this place when it was segregated, when you went to Ebenezer Baptist Church and heard Dr. King preach. When you remember when they desegregated this place, what must it be like for you? What must it be like? Um, and then that is in my head while you're talking to me about whatever it is you're talking to me about or the twinkle in your eye, how you're looking at me with some kind of little extra pride. I just imagine like I don't I, I can't imagine what that's like. So uh, this <laughs> circuitous answer <laughs> was really just me saying that um, when I'm when I'm hearing stories and having interactions, I am I, I just I'm, I'm thinking about everything. I'm thinking about what you said. I'm thinking about what I thought about what you said, thinking about what I thought you said and what you thought I thought I said. I just <laughs> I just I just like to um, swirl things around and savor them. You know, you know what I found the most interesting about that your about your own insights onto your writing Kimberly what's that you described it as extraordinary you said the most extraordinary things I've written it wasn't that I've written about extraordinary things and it's recorded and you'll hear it when the podcast is when it goes up you described your own writing as extraordinary you know what, Mark, th this is something that let, let me tell you this, I will, because <laughs> one part, like, again, if this had happened 10 years ago, if you'd said this to me 10 years yeah, ago, I would yeah. be like, well, 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 what I meant to say, was, <laughs> right, you know, right? Yeah, that, that would be the first because that would that sounds quite cringy to be like, Oh, my goodness, did he just clock me on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> saying this, but um, there's this thing that uh, I tell, um, learners and my colleagues. And um, it is it is really about taking an inventory of of your own talents um, and how important yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. And so I call it um, finding your Whitney Houston. Oh, so that, I love it. So finding your Whitney Houston is that 
the story is that when Whitney Houston first came on the scene, she was a print model in Seventeen magazine. She she modeled and she was a successful teen model. And then um, at the same time, she was singing in her church and was discovered singing in her church, ultimately became the Whitney Houston that we know of. Right. When we think of Whitney Houston, we think of her singing voice. Then she became an actress. So, you know, we tolerated her in a few films. You know, may you rest in peace, Whitney. But, you know, she acted, too. But that wasn't necessarily like her singing voice. So. There came a point where we knew that Whitney Houston was a model, a singer, and an actress. But when Whitney Houston showed up anywhere, what people wanted to get from Whitney was to hear her sing. And there had to come a point where Whitney Houston knew she could sing, right? So I think that all of us have the equivalent of a Whitney Houston singing voice. Like, we can kind of model and we can kind of act. But but what you really need to not miss when we show up is our singing voice. Right. And so if you are a teacher on the wards, it might be diagnostic reasoning. Right. Like, you know, Robbie Jiha or or Gurpreet Dhaliwal. Right. Um, it might be excellent interpersonal skills at the bedside talking to patients. You might be like slaying the most complicated EKGs, which means every day on rounds, you need to bust out complicated EKGs and read them with your team because that's your Whitney Houston singing voice. The reason I bring that up is because at some point I I recognized that I'm a good writer. And once I, once I recognized that I said, you know, I'm going to be more brave in how I write. I'm going to try different things. I'm going to try to like push the envelope more and use muscles with writing that I haven't used before or that, that I haven't seen before. And so Twitter has been a really exciting platform because it I, I usually wrote narratives in full form. I've never written in aliquots before. And that is just an interesting, <laughs> challenging way to tell a story. So I, I, I appreciate that, but I work at writing a lot. It shows. I it, it definitely shows, and I think that the idea that Whitney had a great singing voice and the other things were okay. I, I really like this idea of what you just put forward that everybody has a Whitney Houston singing voice. I also like the idea of people being pluripotent. Can somebody have more than one? Whitney Houston singing voice as a skill, because I will submit that you do hearing you. I'm, I'm reflecting back, right? I'm, I, I think one thing that I'll just put forward, I think I'm pretty good at is taking what people say on board quickly and leveraging some amount of mental agility to wrap, wrap around the other things that they've said. So we want to work on how we reflect as I reflect on what you say and reflect it back to you. Your writing is for sure. Whitney Houston singing, but there's other things that you do that are not, that are not less than, does that make sense? And so we have to be able to take that on board too, that there's one thing that's there, but you can also still be pluripotent and have a lot of other things there that people are seeking out actively. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And I think if you're really lucky, whatever those things are, you actually enjoy doing it too. Yeah. yeah, Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I I do think that these, 
you know, these affirmations that we give to people about the things that they're trying to do, they can really push them to do more of it and get good at something that they enjoy and that they have a talent for. Um, but you know but on I the mean? flip side, though, let's look at the opportunities to work with people who, and I'm sure that this happens for you every day in your responsibilities mm-hmm. as a teacher, mm-hmm. where someone is having a hard time, where they're right. trying to sing and their voice is cracking and they're, <laughs> they don't know the words and the rhythm is, they're struggling and they're having right. a hard time. Right. You want to be able to give them guidance so that they can continue to improve. And you right. also don't want to give them false encouragement. You don't want, you You have to remain genuine. What does that skill set look like when you're reflecting back to somebody mm-hmm. and they want to sing, they're just not there yet? That's hard. It's hard. You know? It's <laughs> yeah. hard, right? Because it, it, it really fundamentally comes down to what you think about talents and skills and such, right? That there are some things that people are inclined to do and they can be coached to do it really, really well. And some things that just, as my late sister used to say, that ain't your, that ain't your talent, boo. That ain't your gift. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I would like to think that um, for a lot of the skills that we use in medicine in particular, which are people skills, I think those are coachable um, for most people. I think creative writing is, you know, it depends on like which side of your brain you work on a lot. For some people, that's much more difficult than others. But for me, technical writing is really, really hard. Uh, so I think whatever it is, the best coaches and, and mentors, they'll be honest with you about what they're seeing and at least provide you with some some concrete ways to get better at it. There's somebody that I was um, actually that I met through Twitter and we had some overlapping friends and the person was working on um, a narrative piece. And um, I said, yeah, sure. You know, send it to me. I'd like to see it. And so I see the narrative and it's a really good story. And so I reflected back some feedback, but it was just very, very concrete stuff. Hey, consider this. Um, what is it? more probing questions. And I, I, I think those are some of the things that can, because this individual said um, repeatedly, this is not my strong suit narrative writing, but I would like to tell this story. I, I think where we can help and step in the things that may come natural to you um, to, to distill it down into in some instructions that you can impart. Does that make sense? It does. What I think is really helpful here too, is that your level of expertise is both instinctive and practiced. So you, as you've reflected on here, you understand what you're good at and you also understand why. Mm-hmm. So that is a, a, it's a skill of its own where if someone says you're good at something, thank you. I'll take that on board. I agree with you. I'm good at this. Help me understand why you're good at it and teach me how I can get better at this. That's mm-hmm. a whole other level because then right you are going to coach and you're going to mentor and you're going to kind of grow things out. It's a much tougher thing to do. And I I would say it's a whole other skill in and of itself. Yeah. But if somebody is really determined uh, to, to work at something again, especially the things that we do in our, in our space in medicine, I think that if you're willing to put in effort, then there's definitely a, a strong chance that you can get much, much better yeah, at it. Yeah. I, I think more than anything, the 
what I was trying to say that it was taking me forever to get my thoughts together is just that there are there are some things that people do that doesn't it, that it doesn't tax them much to be able to do it. Perhaps they just kind of got an extra helping of that particular gift when they were born. Right. Yeah. Um, and so um, it doesn't help people that you're coaching to just stand beside them and sing in your perfect pitch and say, now you do it. The thing is, you have to sit down and figure out what it is it that you are doing with your voice. How are you bringing in the air? How are you, um, you know, lifting your diaphragm? What are you doing with your body? Are you standing? Are you sitting? What are you doing? So breaking down all those things that maybe you don't think about right, when you're doing right, these, right. this and, thing. And even further upstream, how do you take care of yourself? Do you get enough rest? Right. How are you resting your voice? Yeah, no, right. it's, that's so you, translating it into yeah. some 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 instructions that somebody could actually use because if they have the instructions, they're like, well, for you, it came naturally for you to do this. But if with these instructions, okay, you know what? I can, I can probably get better at this. Yeah. I think we're unlocking why people comment on what an exceptional teacher you are as well, because that giving people that level of granularity makes these things seem achievable and attainable. And, and I think that's one of the most important parts of being a teacher or a coach or a mentor or a sponsor yeah. is saying, look, you're aspiring to something and that's great. We do need to get granular. We need to be strategic, but we also need to be tactical. What are the small steps to get this moving forward, right? The Ragnar is 200 miles. We're not right. doing it in a day. It's th- right. We're going to be grinding for 36 hours. There's going to be a lot of challenges. It's going to take a mixed skill set to get through it. And right. let's, let's tease out what all of those things are. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, 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 it's tough too, because, um, you know, I I think it requires us, it requires more work for you as the, the coach or the mentor to sit down and think when what feels good for you is just to show up and do your thing and let people say, Oh, good job. (laughs) Um, (laughs) right. Um, versus, Hey, why don't I try to, you know, push people to, to be better. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of that, it, it definitely does require more work, but most of the time people are looking for something granular. Yeah, um, I, I agree said. with you. I agree with you. So this is the last episode of the year 2019. It's the last episode of the decade, really for, well, well, ex- for explore, right. For explore the space. I don't do new year's resolutions and I hate okay. platitudes, okay. but I do have a question for you. And I think that this will send us on our way. Street. As we go, go forward, having gone through all of these wonderful things that you do and the, mm-hmm. you know, the way people find you is on Twitter and your Twitter handle will be in the show notes. Okay. What's feeling aspirational for you? Oh man, that is, you know, so th- that's the thing, Mark, you know, you, you're funny cause you're going to make me say something out loud on this podcast <laughs> and the whole world is going to hear it. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm cool with that. That's all right. Um, yeah. So some of the things um, that are aspirational for me are things that I'm already trying to work at right now, which is just um, trying to be a really good steward of my influence, um, being thoughtful about what. So what? So let, yeah. What if somebody has a certain number of followers on Twitter? What what can you do with that? That's meaningful. So. I would like to continue to try to do meaningful things with my influence at my institution and beyond, right? The other aspirational thing is 
<laughs> this is going to come as a surprise to you because you probably don't know this part of me. But if I was not a doctor, I would be a professional fundraiser. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I would. I really like that. So <laughs> you're going to get headhunted now. Oh, my gosh. Well, no, no. They, they, don't worry. I love being a great doctor. All right. All right. All right. But, fair enough. Um, for my 50th birthday, which is going to be in September, I would like to raise $50,000 by my 50th birthday for a particular charity that I have in mind, um, which is very meaningful to me. I won't say it on the podcast yet until I get more information. So you use the word yet. So that's good. Thank you. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I'm, 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 oh yeah. Yeah. That means I get to come back. And that's right. That. That's right. Sweet. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah. No. Cause I'll come back and tell you about, um, what I did to raise the $50,000. Oh my gosh. Um, I'd love that. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm, I'm just very goal oriented. I, I love a goal and I love a goal that like seems you're going to do what? Um, I just, I love stuff like that. So that that is aspirational for me, and you know I'm up for pro- full professor right now, and so I submitted all my stuff to be promoted. And for those in the academic sector, we know that it is a lot of steps and a lot to it, and there are no guarantees. But um, there are less than 300 Black women who are at the rank of full professor in U.S. medical schools. And so a big aspiration for me is to be in that number. So I'm hoping that by the next time I come back and see you, you can be like, Professor. I am am so excited to do that. It would be amazing. So those are three wonderful aspirations. And you are going to have a whole lot of people supporting all of those things. Okay, but wait a minute. Okay. What about yours? Mine. Yeah. Right the, back at you. That's right. The things that that feel aspirational to me, I want to continue to learn how to be a good dad. Oh, that's sweet. I'm taking on board that I think I'm doing a decent job thus far, and I want to continue to, as my son is just, he grows so fast, mm-hmm. and his, you know, his cognition and his physical abilities, and it's just, it's so quick. I want to be able to stay in lockstep. Um, I also need to make sure that I'm doing the right things to take good care of myself. I have a goal. I don't want him to, I, I was always a good runner. Uh, I, I, you know, I was a sprinter growing up okay. and I want to make sure that he doesn't beat me in a sprint for a good while yet. I want him, <laughs> I want him to say, dad, let's race. Cool, pal. Let's race. I want something that feels aspirational for him for a while is to try to beat his dad in a foot race. So I got to stay, make sure I'm taking good care of myself, which full disclosure is a struggle. Sometimes I think all of us walk that road where we're not great at taking care of ourselves. Sure. And then I think something else that feels aspirational for me, I, I'll, I'll mirror something that you said is shepherding your influence. There are things that feel really important to me that we as a society uh, at the local level, at a regional level, at a national level, and as an international community that we work hard to move the needle on. And I think that yeah. there's a place for explore the space myself and all of us to have a role in that. And I think that that's something that feels really, really important to me. And so I think that that's something that's actually something I do spend more and more time thinking about as well. And perhaps you and I can mentor each other in that work because it's important. It's really important. And I've never felt that calling as strongly as I feel it now. And so that's going to be a big part of the next decade for me. So let me ask you another question. Okay. What, um, so you said that one of the things that's aspirational for you is 
working at um, being your best dad. Yeah. What is so? What does that look like? I want no, my son. For you. Oh, for yeah, me. For you, yeah. For yeah, me. What does that to, look like for you? What, yeah. What does that dad look like? Here's what it looks like. It looks like when my son sees me, he smiles. That's what I need, and I'm going to okay. start crying. All I want is that when my son sees me, he'll smile because he'll know that I understand him and that I've got him. I love that. That's awesome. Can I share um, with you uh, one thing, which is perfect for what you just said, and it is. I've tweeted this before, but it's uh, from Toni Morrison, the late Toni Morrison. And she has this quote where she said that, you know, she used to have this habit of when she would see her children, she would, you know, inspect them to make sure that, you know, their hair was combed and that their face wasn't sticky and that their clothes weren't out of place. But um, she realized that really what everybody wants is to be seen. um, And so, she started asking this question, does your face light up when they come in the room? Mm, And so she started making certain that when her kids walked into the room, that her face lit up like that. She lets them know, I'm so glad to see you. And so that quote is, is, is one of the things that I think informs a lot of what I was saying before about stopping and registering people. Because I think about that quote all the time when I see students, I make sure my face lights up when I see them that and and I try my best, even if I'm not having a good day, Mark, I'll try to be like, I'm glad to see you. I'm happy to see you. Even if it's for 10 seconds on the bridge, even if I'm coming through the hall and it's the security officer at Grady who let me in the day before because I didn't have my badge on me. Um, I want my face to light up when I see you in a way that says, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to see you. No, not do you, is your coat um, dirty on the edge or did you, are you wearing your badge the right way? Or are your pants a little too wrinkled medical student? No, like I'm happy to see you. So I, I, I think that your son smiling when he sees you, I mean, it's best reflected through what, what he, what he sees in you, right. Which is your face lighting up. This is, this is, ah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm warm. Isn't and that the best though? Isn't that the it, best it, it instruction? Is, it's and the it's best so instruction. And, and it's so doable and easy. Totally. I agree with you. I feel like I've been able to spend the last hour in the presence of greatness. And oh, I had, likewise. Re- I was really excited to have you on the show. And I think everyone that listens to this is wrapping as we're wrapping up is saying, I just got to spend an hour in the presence of greatness. And I've said to you on Twitter on two separate occasions, that I think they're going to build a statue of you one day in front of Grady <laughs> Hospital. And I mean that. Um, I think that what you are doing and the way that you are informing generations of people in medicine and outside, it's it's really important. It's really needed and it's really special. So for all of that, thank you so much for sharing and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate that. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com, and please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show, and you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.